Dropping a penny off the Empire State Building won't kill anybody, but it will cost you. It will cost you one penny. This is 20 Questions Tuesday, the podcast where one guy asks another guy 20 20 questions. I'm David Brunel Brutman. And I'm David Reinstrom. David. Yes, my brother. Guess what we have this week on the show. Can I can I respond to that question with another question? Yes. How much does a polar bear weigh? White. What? It, it weighs white pounds. No, the answer is enough to break the ice. Uh, that one hurt. Mm, you like that? I have like a physical pain in my in my lower abdomen. I think I need to go actually, to a hospital. Actually, friend of the show Hillel wrote like a McSweeney-style list of failed, uh, failed pickup lines. Let me see, and there, and that was in one of them. Let me pull this up. That's, I mean, it. Well, we know why it's failed. How much does a polar bear weigh? No, like 800, 900 pounds tops. If they weighed enough to break the ice, they wouldn't be able to walk anywhere. Anyway, I'm Hillel. Who are you? <laughs> That would actually work on me. Yeah, me too. See here, this is this is the thing. This is the thing. Anti-humor will always work on me. But anyway, polar bears breaking the ice because we got what, Dave? We got icebreakers. Yeah. We have received, listeners, uh, an icebreaker submission from Twenty Questions Tuesday listener Viva La Angels via Tumblr. Woo. Special shout out to Viva La Angels. Thank you for the icebreakers. So, David. Yes. Uh, and just a, a reminder to listeners, we are always accepting new icebreakers. And you can shoot those at us on Tumblr. At 20questionstuesday.com. The very same! All right. David, I'm going to hit you with some icebreakers. Are you ready? I'm ready. Icebreaker number one. What is your favorite Ogden Nash poem? Maybe Custard the Cowardly Dragon, or The Clean Platter, which is all about art, and how art is mostly about naked people, but how the the, the, the poet really wishes that more poems would be about food. Yeah, it's The Clean Platter. The Clean Platter is my favorite Ogden Nash poem. Didn't you name a food blog after that? I did. By undraped nymphs, I am not wooed. I'd rather painters painted food. (laughs) God, that's so elaborate, I love it. It was trite in that primeval dawn when painting got its start that a lady with her garments on was life. But is she art? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I do not have a favorite Ogden Nash poem because you are the Ogden Nash super fan. And sure. I am merely a, a low plebeian with my face pressed longingly against the poetical glass looking in <laughs> on the cold street. Read me the next one, thou sooty urchin. Icebreaker number two. What steampunk-related thing slash media is your favorite? Oh, man. Does Treasure Planet count? Treasure Planet totally counts. All right. Probably Treasure Planet. Treasure Uh, Planet is is weird. It's, mm -hmm. I think, underrated, but also... Also very mixed. If you, if yeah, true. In terms, in terms of quality. If you took Treasure Island, the story, and you set it in the late seventies, early eighties, Dungeons and Dragons campaign world Spelljammer, where people sail on magic 
like three masters, like magic sailing ships on the luminiferous aether between worlds. That's that's what Treasure Planet is. It's like space magic steampunk. Yeah. There are space whales. That's probably that. Like and, that that yeah. premise. Oh, that premise just warms the cockles of my heart. And mm-hmm. the visuals are great. Uh, it it is a it is a fine looking film with. I think it's got Emma Thompson in it. Is she the captain? I think she's the captain. We refuse to be fact-checked on this. And if anybody tries to do it, uh, we'll... I don't know. What, what? Do they make you walk the plank in that movie? Is there any I planks? Space keel haul you? Yeah, do they space keel haul anybody? Feed you to the space fish. <laughs> hey, you, you know what the... <laughs> yes? Hey, you know what the, the punishment for piracy is in the Treasure Planet? universe what's that dave it's space hanging <laughs> no. you're space Just sort of you're drifting. space hung by the neck until you space suffocate except i think you can breathe in space well so really, not you're if you're being not if you're threatened. hung by the neck oh that's true the space neck okay so what is my favorite steampunk thing this this is a very difficult question here, here are the top two contenders, I think. Contender number one, which I love to death, along the lines of Disney's Treasure Planet, mm-hmm. Disney's Atlantis. Oh, true. With uh, Michael J. Fox in the lead role and just crazy steampunk submarines. Ah. Uh. That is a fabulously designed movie. It's so good. And all of the, and um, uh, Mike Mignola, uh, creator of Hellboy, was a character designer on that. Apparently the, I don't know if you know this, but the the art team uh, at Disney was looking for like design inspiration for the the film when they were doing pre-production. And they were like, yeah, we kind of want these characters to look like uh, like Mike Mignola comic characters. And so they started designing these characters. And at some point, somebody's like, wait a second. We're Disney. We have all the fucking money in the world. Why are we just <laughs> ripping off this guy's designs? We could just hire him to work on the project. Sure. And they did. So, yeah. And, oh, man. Mike Mignola has made so much steampunk stuff that I love. Like... The amazing screw on head. You do love that amazing screw on head. Or uh, he did the um, the like gas lamp. I think it's called um, Gotham by Gas Lamp. Ooh. The steampunk Batman, which is a, a limited run DC comic that they did. I don't know when. Early two thousands, maybe. Uh, that's great. And Hellboy itself is very steampunk. Sure. In in a lot of its. Uh, details even though it takes place during like the 40s and the present day so yes atlantis i think it's subtitled the lost empire and i i I think it is i think the original one has that subtitle so either that's my favorite steampunk thing or uh the golden compass which is a dramatically different kind of work Mm -hmm. it's like atlantis is just like pulpy and over the top uh 
adventure story and the golden compass is like what if god were evil deeply yes like deeply philosophical children's fantasy so i don't know how to reconcile those two i i love them both i love them both very much though man the golden compass movie what a letdown i never saw it eh, don't you're good okay it's but it's 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 not good it was a real shit show. Wait, though. Ooh, another thing that I'd, I'd totally forgotten about. A series of unfortunate events. Oh. That, that is a good, uh, rather steampunky uh, film and book series. Apparently, they're, they're now adapt. So they adapted the first three books into one movie very successfully. Mm-hmm. With the... Uh, Jim Carrey and a bunch of very good child actors, and also Meryl Streep and Billy Meryl Connelly. Streep. Yeah, Billy Connolly's in it. Uh, they're all awesome. And it's steampunk as fuck, and the original books are just like these totally delightful uh, pseudo Victorian, really quick read children's novels. They're great. So that one's up there, but uh, as a, as a counterexample to the the shitty Golden Compass adaptation, they came out around the same time, I think. Maybe. I think you're right. Yeah. The series of unfortunate events movie has a great score by Thomas Newman, and perhaps one of the greatest <sighs> end score. title sequences in cinema history. Yeah, the end title sequence, the the combination of the the Thomas Newman score for that end sequence and this sort of like amazing cut paper style animation. So cool. So good. So good. So it's way up there, but favorites definitely a competition between Golden Compass and Atlantis. Question the next. Question the next. Icebreaker number 3. Boom. Have you been keeping up with Steven Universe? Sub-question. And who's your favorite character? Uh, sub-question first, Garnet. Garnet! It's totally Garnet. It's I'm, always Garnet. I'm a little torn. I'm a little torn between Garnet and Amethyst. Okay. Because Amethyst is just fun. She's just like a, like a fun goofball. Mm-hmm. But Garnet's like badass stoicism with this like running undercurrent of good humor mm-hmm. it's just too good it's and, too good uh, and also Such a great character her her secret origin story just melts my heart it I don't know really lovely Steven is my favorite but I'm like too much like him because I'm you like are cheerful... Steven universe a cheerful, chubby, curly-haired boy that sings a lot and also cries a lot. I I feel like Rebecca Sugar and you might have some sort of like subconscious mind link. That would be great if we could be bros. Like she she might have accidentally had a dream about you, <laughs> and if you ever showed up, she would be like, "Holy shit, Steven is real! It was you the whole time I was thinking of." And then I would sing, and then I would take out my ukulele and sing a song about donuts. Exactly, which you uh, literally could do. I, I literally, well, I can't right now. My ukulele is at work. <laughs> That's a sentence 
Yep, that is a David Reinstrom sentence, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so I am, uh, I think, caught up all the way. Yeah, I'm not caught up yet. It remains real good. That's awesome. Yes, it is still giving me the joys and also the feels. Aww. And uh, like a number of my favorite animated shows, they consistently refuse to let you pin the characters down. Hmm. In a in a very satisfying way. Now, something that I really liked uh, about all of the um, Avatar, the Last Airbender shows, so Avatar yeah. and and Korra, and something that I really like about Adventure Time is that there's a lot of character growth. Sure. Which is very rare for animated shows, and. It's really nice to see because animated shows are, in terms of format, they have, like, the most individual episodes of anything out there. You can develop characters over a, a sort of much bigger stretch just because in in a weird way, even though there's less space in, in any individual episode... Having more episodes gives you more space to work with. So because it's so heavily serialized, it enables you to do a lot more character work. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure, that makes sense. Steven Universe is really good about that. If you have not watched the latter half of the second season, uh, I will simply say that uh, there's, there's some characters who have some very interesting arcs. And that's all I'll say about it. Oh, so mysterious. Oh yeah, so mysterious. It's like like the secret Germans. The mysterious Germans. We live in your attic. No, get out of my attic. We, what are you doing in my attic? Oh, we are, we are recording the mysterious uh, German pornographies. <laughs> no. That is why late at night you are hearing the bangings all the time. Oh, the humpings and the bumpings. Yeah, the humpings and, and the bumpings. We have four more questions. I think we should save the rest of these for a future episode. I agree. So I'm going to hit you with one more from Viva La Angels, and then the rest of these are going to be answered in a future installment. That's what you call a cliffhanger. Building suspense. Oh, yeah. Icebreaker number four. If you could meet any historical figure... Who would it be? Oh, you go first. I don't know. This is difficult. I I feel like we need to set some ground rules for starters. So, okay. So, are we assuming that you can talk to the historical figure regardless of what language they speak? Sure. Or, or are we assuming the historical figure will be exactly as they were in life, meaning that, like, you know, if I want to meet Alexander the Great, well, if I'm fucked. He speaks ancient Greek. I can't hear a word he's saying. I think we can assume that it's like a Wayback Machine, and the Wayback Machine makes us appear like a peer of that that historical figure. Okay, so the TARDIS when Sherman has and Mr. a Peabody go back circuit. in time, and they want to go talk to Alexander the Great. They're wearing ancient Greek clothes. Okay, got it. Check. Any historical figure. Is that the only ground rules? No, like, murder? What if I was like, oh, I want to eat meat Hitler for lunch and then poison it? Oh, hmm. All right. So does does meat mean interact with 
in in a meaningful way or does it mean just like have a chat with i'm gonna say meet means you get to have a chat with them out of time and space sure so there's like you know there's like a nice restaurant that exists outside of all time and space a restaurant at the end of the universe if you will i will and uh you can bring you can meet for lunch one famous or not even famous any one historical figure at that restaurant i would probably want to meet jane austen or or abraham lincoln do you think or... jane austen would be interesting to spend time with i don't know i wonder if she'd be kind of mean that's that's my thought i feel like she'd be a little she might be a little mean like we'd be hanging out in the restaurant at the end of the universe and she'd be like, do you see that guy? He look kind of stupid. Is that kind of a stupid space hat? I'd be like, Jane, come on, they can hear us. Right, except she would say it in just a devastatingly clever way. Like y- you, you know, where you wouldn't quite realize that she was insulting somebody for like a second or two and then you'd be like, oh, wait a second. Yikes. Dave, it is a truth universally acknowledged. That that hat is fucking stupid. That's what she would say. That's how she'd say. Boom, gold, write that book. We're gonna submit this to all the publishers. It's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be the sequel to what how far have they gotten? There was Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and they did Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Was there another one after that? I don't know. Maybe persuasion and paralytic fungus. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said Northanger Abbey and fuck words. How about North Hangman's Abbey? Macabre. Mmm. The thing about Northanger Abbey is that it's like, uh, it's already a parody. Is it? It's a parody. Yeah, it's a parody of gothic literature. So these girls end up in this abbey and they're like, ooh, I bet it's super haunted and romantic. Do you think there's like a dead ghost, like handsome lord looking around, waiting to be reminded that life is beautiful? And it's just a house. It's just a house. Yeah, I got one. Okay. <laughs> Wolfmansfield Park. Well, for your opening line, uh, I think I think we should call it Northanger Abbey and fuckwords. <laughs> oh, I see. We're just rewriting the thing. <laughs> hey, hey. What if what if there was an edition of Pride and Prejudice where they uh, replaced you could probably develop a script to do this like the thing that replaces all instances of millenn- the um there's that chrome plugin that replaces all instances of the word millennials with uh, uh snake wait was it snake people with snake people <laughs> <laughs> alright this is a plugin and it replaces all instances of gentlemen in Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. with fuckwads. <laughs> I'm going to read you an excerpt. All right. From Pride and Prejudice and fuckwads. You're a monster. <clears throat> she was in the hopes that the evening would afford some opportunity of bringing them together, that the whole of the visit would not pass away without enabling them to enter into something more of a conversation than the mere ceremonious salutation attending his entrance. Anxious and uneasy, the period which passed in the drawing room before the fuckwads came was wearisome. 
and dull to a degree that almost made her uncivil. She looked forward to their entrance as the point on which all of her chance of pleasure for the evening must depend. If he does not come to me then, said she, I shall give him up forever. The fuckwads came, and she thought he looks as if he would <laughs> And she thought he looked as if he would have answered her hopes, but alas, the ladies had crowded round the table where Miss Bennet was making tea and Elizabeth pouring out the coffee <laughs> in so close a confederacy that there was not a single vacancy near which would uh, admit of a chair. And on the fuckwads approaching, one of the girls moved closer to her than ever and said in a whisper, The fuckwads shan't come and part us. I am determined. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is an excerpt from my upcoming book, Pride and Prejudice and Fuckwads. Check, check your Barnes and Noble. We'll be millionaires! Uh, December 2018. Those were some good icebreakers. Thank you, Lucy. Yes. Very special thanks to Viva La Angels for sending Woo. in those icebreakers. And again, if you have icebreakers for us, send that shit on over. Uh, you can go to our Tumblr at 20questionstuesday.com and send us a message or uh, we'll accept icebreakers through Facebook. If you go to facebook.com slash 20questionstuesday. You can tweet them at us at 20questionstuesday. You can send them in the mail to Dave. He lives in a building. Don't owned- say my address. No. The mob will find me. So those are our icebreakers for this week. David, uh, I believe I believe you had a story to share. I did. Which you alluded to uh, to me earlier off air. Um, did, did you get kidnapped? I did get kidnapped. Please, please explain. <laughs> so... Jillian and I sort of willingly submitted to this kidnapping. Uh, we were hanging out with our friends in San Francisco. We drove to San Francisco, and we were staying at Michael and Megan's. We were hanging out with them, and then their friend Jess came over, and Jillian and Michael and I all put on blindfolds and willingly got into Jess's car, and then Jess drove us around for 25 minutes. Yeah, see, so, listeners, I, I want to make this part perfectly clear. Uh, my initial some knowledge of this was I was on Facebook just going through my feed casually and up comes a picture of uh, David and Jillian and Michael all blindfolded (laughs) in what appeared to be a warehouse (laughs) and standing behind them was Michael's girlfriend Megan not blindfolded so I'm like huh are my friends in trouble? <laughs> so she she and Jess uh, led us out of the car, and so we I put my hand on Jillian's shoulder, and, and Jillian was led by the hand. No, no, no. I, I had my hand on, on, on Jess's scarf. Jillian and I each held on to Jess's scarf, and we walked along the sidewalk um, just entirely unaware of where we were. And Jillian figured out that we were at the waterfront, I think because she could maybe hear the water or smell it. Um mm context clues. Jillian would be a good kidnapping victim. Jillian would be a great kidnapping Well, victim. no, she would be a bad kidnapping victim if you're she, the kidnapper. Oh, but that's true. if she were kidnapped, she would do well. A-plus would be kidnapped with Jillian again. Serial season three. Stay tuned. We were hanging on to this scarf. It was raining out. We were trying to figure out where we were, but also not trying to figure out where we were, just trying to enjoy the mystery. Oh, you mean like the mystery Germans? No, not like the... Go away! You don't want to enjoy the mystery challenge? No, no. Okay, we will go back in the attic and do our mystery, our mystery pornos. Thank you. Speaking of weird noises on the ceiling, like, there are these terrifying squirrels that just love to run across our 
a roof at odd hours. Okay. I did. Like sometimes Jillian and I will wake up at two or three in the morning because there'll just be like this skittering on the roof. A skitterer on the roof. What a strange idea. Wait, do these squirrels play the fiddle? They do not. Because that would be scary. But they do skitter and squeak. Do they look aggressive? Because, you know, some squirrels, they look really cute and cuddly, and then some squirrels are like, <sighs> like teeth. No, but did I ever tell you about Acid Jack, the Mad Squirrel King? Uh, no. Oh, Jillian quote-unquote made friends with Acid Jack, the Mad Squirrel King of Leland Avenue, at her old apartment. Is this a um, person? No, 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 he was a squirrel. He was King of the Squirrels. Oh, obviously. Have I ne- I've never told you about Acid Jack, the King of the Squirrels? No. What? Acid Jack was a rangy squirrel. He had sort of a... I wouldn't say it's a mangy tail, but it was very weird. It was very cricked and weird. And it was, like, fluffy in some parts and not very fluffy in other parts. Okay, like he'd seen some shit. Like he'd seen some shit. Uh, But it was also very, like, long and thin. And he just had this wild look about him that the other squirrels didn't have. The other squirrels were like, Jeepature! Like, looking up, being kind of cute. And Acid Jack was just like... (laughs) Like, he just had this manic weirdness about him. And so every time he saw Jillian, he would, like, rear. And then Jillian would, like, raise and lower her hands. And Jack would, like, follow her hands with his body and go... And you're sure this squirrel wasn't rabid? Uh, we have no idea. Because that's the first thing that would occur to me. And I would get the fuck out of there. Well, we usually ran from Acid Jack. Good. Because he would sometimes give chase... Yeah, that squirrel's probably rabid. Yeah, probs. How how long did you see... When was the first time you saw this squirrel? I mean, I don't think that squirrel was rabid because we encountered that squirrel for over a year. Okay. Maybe it wasn't then. Maybe it just had brain damage. <laughs> so why was the squirrel's name Acid Jack? Hmm? Uh, because he had obviously been, like, fuzzed out somehow. Okay. And how did you determine that this clearly insane member of Squirrel Society was their king. Well, you know how Emperor Norton isn't really the okay. emperor yeah, of got the it. United States? Yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's who I'd want to meet? I'd want to meet Emperor Norton. Oh, wait. I didn't even answer the question, did I? Oh, yeah. Who would you... What What dead person would you want to meet? I, I didn't have an answer. I just wanted to point out that I hadn't answered the question. Oh, well, thanks. Anyway, so this No, hold on, I'm gonna think of something. Remember I was kidnapped, yeah. Um, okay, here's who I'm gonna pick. Though, I don't feel that this is the best possible answer. I'm gonna think of the best possible answer later, but here's who I'm gonna pick. Isaac Newton, and I'm gonna pick him because I think it would be very interesting to have a conversation with somebody uh, for whom, like, science is a very concrete thing, and he's, like, figuring this shit out and being, you know, a, a very, like, modern enlightenment type person, mm-hmm. but also for whom alchemy is totally plausible, because who knows <laughs> what's real at this point? I often fantasize about what it would be like to, like, what the conversation would look like if a, an 18th century person very suddenly ended up in the present. Me too! Like, here's the thing that I always think about. Like, how would you just explain basic technology? You know? Like, how would you explain a cell phone such that somebody from 
Uh, you, I mean, you would have to have very different reference points. Like, if you were to explain a cell phone to somebody from a hundred years ago, you could, like, kinda do it with references to thing that, things that they already understood. You could be like, well, alright. It's a telephone. It, it's a telephone you can carry around. It, they would have gotten it's, that. It's a telephone, and you can carry it around, and it's also kind of got, like, a library in it, and there's also, like, a movie projector in it, and it's also kind of a phonograph. Like, there's all these things that you could say. Sure. That you could be like, yeah, it's kind of like all these things together. But, man, if you had to describe it to some to somebody from, like, 200 years ago, you would just be like, well, you can... It's a newspaper and an orchestra. And a telegram. You can, like, talk to people who are in a different... It's like if you could... I don't know. I don't know how you would do it. Like, I feel like there's a way that you could get people to... All right, here's here's the thing. I feel like you could give an actual description of what it does, but I don't feel that people would necessarily understand the implications. So anyway, you got kidnapped. Yeah, so we get That's the important thing here, that you were kidnapped. No, that's not the important thing. The important thing is that we were moving through this, through the outside, through the rain, and we slowly start to hear this like lovely choral music just sort of slowly emerging out of the rain. And you were like, yeah. well, we're dead. And I was like, what is, Je- Jessica, what is this? What are you, where are you taking us? And she's like, shh, the next performance will start soon. And I was like, okay. And we get we get put into this room out of the rain. This is the warehouse that you saw photographed. You're going to a murder club and the soundtrack is becoming diegetic. Right? That part. I mean, I would have assumed that it was outside the film world. Like, that we were suddenly being able to hear the soundtrack. Yes, that's what I mean. So the non-diegetic soundtrack is becoming diegetic. Yes. As you head to this murder club. So we go into this this room, and it seems like it's full of people. And so we're standing next to these, like, nice British people. And all of a sudden, the singing begins. And then the people behind us start singing. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um... And then, and then five minutes later, Jess takes our hand, and and we, Jillian and I, move to another part of the room, and we follow this path, and we're walking between all these singers, and it's this beautiful, really complex choral music, a cappella choral music, mm-hmm. um, and it sounds like they're either right in front of us or behind us or coming from like a gallery above uh jillian described it as like they're being giants and finally she figured out during an intermission um that we were surrounded by speakers that there wasn't a live chorus so you remain blindfolded through the the entire thing entire time uh and then at the end when this performance was over uh jess asked if we wanted to take off our our blindfolds and we both said yes and we were in this art project we were in this um sound sculpture Mm-hmm. by this Canadian artist named Janet Cardiff. And what it was was called like the the 40 the 40 part motet um, which is this piece by Thomas Tallis from like the 1570s and she took she she recorded the Salisbury choir singing it and just every single singer got their own microphone. And that microphone that is like amazing. It was so cool. So it's like if you were standing in the middle of the chorus Yes. Just walking around. That's awesome. Well, well, what it is, is it's eight It's eight groups of five. Of, you know, soprano, alto, alto tenor, bass, baritone. 
so and so there are there are eight groups of five singers each singing a different part so it is okay. a ludicrously complex song that is very complex so yeah so that was really magical and cool and it was a wonderful experience that sounds awesome hey if you're gonna get kidnapped i think that's the best possible outcome i agree you know what sounds just as much fun as being kidnapped what's that david Playing 20 Questions Tuesday! That does sound as at least as much fun as being kidnapped. Bare minimum! <laughs> Alright, let's do it. I have a thing for you to guess. Oh, I have a thing for you. Wait. Oh, what? What? Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, to guess. Okay, uh, sure. Were you talking about your penis? No. David? Let's talk about feelings. Mm hmm. Penis feelings. Yeah. I have a thing for you to guess, and it is so okay. dumb. All right. Everybody get ready. It's the stupidest. <laughs> Let's go over the rules first. All right. Rule number one. I will think of a thing. Rule number two. David will ask only yes or no questions to narrow down the nature of the thing. Rule number three. If David exceeds 20 questions, the game and reality as we know it is over. No more than 20 questions are permitted. Rule four. If David correctly guesses the thing in fewer than 20 questions, he wins the game, and we all get to live for another week. Rule number five. Biblical law will apply for the last 15 minutes of the game. Have your goats ready. <laughs> Are you ready, David? Yes. You may ask your first question. Okay. Is this... Is this thing real stupid? It's so stupid. <laughs> just, just the scenario is stupid. Does it involve human beings? Yes. Living human beings? Yes. Living human beings that you and I know? Um, maybe. A couple. I'm not sure. Like, uh, yeah. in person, we've met these people? Uh, you've probably met some of them who were involved in this. But you don't have to guess, it... you don't have to guess who. Okay. Uh, is it political? No. Is it entertainment related? Nope. Um, okay. Uh, does it take place in a specific? Does the scenario take place in a specific place? Yes, it does. In the present. Uh, yeah, in the present day. Well, uh, five minutes in the future. In the United States. Yes, in the United States. Uh, in a state where either of us live. No. In a state where either of us used to live. Nope. It is nowhere that either of us has ever lived. Is it a state? Uh, n the place. Mm -hmm. The place is not a state. Is it D.C.? Nope. So it's neither a state, nor a district, nor a territory? No, the place where this takes place is not a state, nor is it a district, nor is it a territory. So it's not in the United States. It is in the United States. Okay, well, we can... Oh, I see what you're getting at. Uh, okay, so yes, it does take place in a specific state. But you have to get more specific than that. Is it a Midwestern state? Yes. Is it a, an eastern Midwestern state? Uh, um, but what's the dividing line? Uh, I don't know. Is it east of Illinois, like Ohio? E uh, no, it's not east of Illinois. Uh, is it Iowa? It is not Iowa. Is it Nebraska? It is not Nebraska. Kansas? Nope. Idaho? Nope. North Dakota? Nope. South Dakota? Nope. East Dakota? Nope. Minnesota? Normac, East Dakota... Uh, what'd you say, Mexico? Uh, what was the no, last Minnesota. one? No, <laughs> Minnesota. I said Minnesota. Oh, those are different. Yeah. No, it's not Minnesota. Wisconsin. 
Uh, Wisconsin, yes. This takes it place. It takes place in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. I know the states of the upper Midwest. Um, okay, is it in a specific and, city in Wisconsin? Yes, it's a specific city in Wisconsin. That's the specific place where this takes place. Is it Milwaukee? It's Milwaukee. This scenario takes place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Does this have to do with superheroes? Nope, not even in the least. Does it involve the Milwaukee Brewers? Um, Obliquely, but not specifically. It just involves, like... If the city of Milwaukee. If the Milwaukee Brewers are in the city at the time that this happens, then yes, it involves the Milwaukee Brewers. But if they're like playing an away game or something, then it doesn't. Does something happen to the city of Milwaukee? Something happens to the city of Milwaukee. Something like Roland Emmerich movie-ish? Yeah, totally. So the city of Milwaukee, bless it, is destroyed. Um, th- not is necessarily. Is under attack. Is attacked by something. It's definitely attacked, yes. Like by a Godzilla type thing? No. By some kind of monster? Oh, it depends on how you define monster, but no, not a monster. Aliens? Aliens. Yeah, yes, aliens? Yes, it is aliens. So, so the thing you're thinking of is aliens attacking Milwaukee. And only Milwaukee. <laughs> okay. Well, you got it. Wait, that was it? Congratulations, David. Are you are you serious? You guessed. <laughs> you guessed what I was thinking of. That was so disappointing. <laughs> hey, I told you it was stupid. Yeah, you did tell me that was stupid. So, David, what was That was the shortest I what see was I now why of? you were I see now why you were spending so much time on the pregame. I was like, let's get to the game. Let's get to the game. So, uh, David, what was I thinking of this week? You <laughs> were thinking of aliens attacking Milwaukee and only Milwaukee. And only Milwaukee. Have you ever been to Milwaukee? It's fun. Nope. But see, that's why I was saying you probably know some people who are involved in the scenario, because you know some sure. people in Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, good game. <laughs> Let's go over to the scoratorium and see how you did. Uh, <laughs> David. Yeah. All right, I've got the report here. Yeah. I think this might be a record. Mm-hmm. You got that 20 questions Tuesday in just one question. <laughs> Somehow you figured out the entire scenario by asking only a single question. It was That's really true. amazing. That's true. Un- hole in one, our first ever hole in one. Unprecedented in 20 questions Tuesday history, ladies and gentlemen. 52 episodes is my first hole in one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that unprecedented win from David Rydstrom, <laughs> uh, we have we have a podcast announcement. The podcast is changing, ladies and gentlemen. Whoa, 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 whoa. We are changing the schedule of the podcast. We are not stopping the podcast. No. But uh, from here on out, this is episode 52. That means that we have done, if you listen to one of these every week, you have a year's worth of entertainment. Which of just us yammering and yakking and making many goofs? You can listen to us talk at you for a year. If, if that doesn't delight and or horrify you, then you have no we have emotions. For you. Yeah, we got nothing for you. We got nothing. There's nothing we can do for you. 
Well, because here's the skinny, right? Like, I'm I'm going to start being the the host of another podcast, Radio Drama Revival. And Dave, you're going to help me out with that every once in a while. Yeah, so yeah. We're, I'll, we're I'll be in be, on that every We're still going to so be often. podcasting. Uh, and we're still going to be producing 20 Questions Tuesday. It's just that we're not going to tie ourselves to the once a week or once every other week. This is a this is going to yeah. become a when we feel like it. Right. So the the regular schedule is going out the window and you will get 20 Questions Tuesday, new episodes and updates just thrown at you over the wall of the internet randomly. Just flung. You'll never know when it's going to happen. Uh, but it will happen. And we will we will definitely keep doing this, just uh, not all the time. We're going to move on to focus on other stuff. And we'll definitely let you know what those things are. And uh, there'll be things that you can listen to. And at some point, things that you can look at and things that you can read. And Touch, things that you smell. can... Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm sorry. So yeah, we'll try to get this podcast to you whenever we can. But for now, regular 20 Questions Tuesday is is going away. Uh, and if you if you still need your fix, keep in mind we have produced arguably over a solid. What? How, how much entertainment do you think we we have in terms of hours? Um, at, probably at least two and a half days, two and a half full days. At least, if you started listening to the first episode and listened to all fifty-two all the way through, uh, you could just keep listening for about two and a half days. So that's not bad. Go back and relive the glory days. And I don't know about you, David. I feel good about that hideous bulk of entertainment. Yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> that we've, we've made created a lot by of, talking like, into microphones. Weird, this weird amorphous fun bolus for people to slowly choke down over the course of uh, the course of their lives. Yeah. So if you still need your fix, uh, there's a lot of stuff in the archives for you. And I think. I think it all holds up. If you've listened to all of it already, give it a second listen. Maybe you'll discover something that you didn't know was there before. Maybe it'll be gold. <laughs> it won't be gold. Maybe it'll be stolen Incan artifacts. It might be that. Listen, we've stolen a lot of artifacts. Oh my god. And we need to go underground for a while. Yup. We are in so much trouble, you guys. But if you want to go underground and find me... Uh, you can find me at radiodramarevival.com. So, David, why don't you tell us what Radio Drama Revival is and what you're going to be doing with that? So, Radio Drama Revival is a uh, radio drama showcase podcast. So, we're interested in showcasing the very best of radio drama past, present, and future. We're going to have a lot of interviews on the show. We're going to be playing a lot of great programming. Yeah, and that's going to come out in February 2016. So, if you're listening, probably... It'll already be out, unless the world ends in February, and this is all that exists. Anyway, uh, so people can find you uh, over at Radio Drama Revival. Um, do you still have uh, Our Fair City episodes that you've worked on coming out in the future? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, if you want even more David Reinstrom stuff, uh, how do they check out Our Fair City? Oh, my brother, you can go to OurFairCity.com. That's where you can go. Yeah. And look for it on the iTunes. That's where you can go. Uh, have we talked about Our Fair City on this podcast before? Should we say what it is? I imagine we've talked about it. But it's a, it's a long-running science fiction serial. Its sixth season just completed. We're going to move into the seventh season. 
and you write and act and audio edit on that, correct? I do. Well, now I am the producer emeritus, so I will, my my writing and my acting will appear in season seven, uh, and I'll mostly just be in an advisory role for season eight. And if people want to find me and what I'm up to, I have a website. It's my name. Uh, that is davidbrunelbrutman.com. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, is mostly, uh, it is mostly my art portfolio, but every once in a while I'll throw a blog post uh, up on there with some new art uh, or something to that effect. And if you have babies, um, I do kids' T-shirts now, so you can clothe your babies in my T-shirts. So that's good. And, of course, we will remain on social media uh, as 20 Questions Tuesday, our Facebook at, at facebook.com slash 20QuestionsTuesday, our Twitter at 20QuestionsTues, and our Tumblr slash website at 20QuestionsTuesday.com. Ba-bam! All those will have occasional updates and fun stuff coming at you uh, in between episodes, so you'll still be able to keep in touch with us on there. So, that's the plan for the podcast going forward. Uh, I don't know about you, David. I would like to extend a heartfelt thank you to all the listeners out there. Yeah. All the cool guests we've had on so far. Yeah. And everybody who has made this thing possible and who has yeah, what a pleasure. enjoyed it and who has joined us on this wonderful journey of magic and mystery thus far. I would like to thank them. I would like to thank you, Dave. For your friendship. I would like to thank you for your friendship. And for that night in Cabo. Oh yeah. Wink. Winky blinky. And that's how you play 20, 20 Questions, Questions Tuesday. Tuesday. Our theme song is Blood Meridian by Curlew, licensed under a Creative Commons 3.0 license. The music you heard under the show this week was by The Good Lords, licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution license. If you'd like us to use your music, message us on Facebook or Tumblr. Up next, stay tuned for the eternal midnight of the topless mind. I'm David Brunel Brutman. And I'm David Reinstrom. Good night! Good night!